Get that India, big boy. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Tip Sheet Podcast. As always, I'm your host, John, also known as 4020. Joining me to talk all things Parramatta and NRL news and my good mates, 60s and Quint. Fellas, there is some wild stuff going on in the NRL. It's not just Parramatta related and all the bad stuff about us. We've got other clubs that are practically disintegrating at the seams. Uh, we certainly have. It's going to make for an interesting news podcast. I can't wait to get the teeth into it, mate, to be honest. What about you, Clint? Yeah, it's kind of been a bizarre couple of days, isn't it? You know, it's it certainly doesn't feel like um, a, a rugby league season or the rugby league seasons we've become accustomed to over the last couple of years. So um, in terms of the Eels and then the other clubs around us, yeah, uh, interesting viewing, I guess you could say. I'm really looking forward to the run sheet you got prepped for us 60s. Before we get into that, as always, a quick shout out to the two sponsors of the show, Big Swing Golf, North Mead and Star Partners Real Estate, Auburn, Norellan and Parramatta, helping us get you guys those episodes two or three times a week. We, uh, we do pump them out. And now, time for the news. News team, assemble! Well, fellas, I mean, the fallout from last week was basically the final nail in the coffin for the Eels' first-grade opportunity to play finals football. We knew what was coming. It wasn't a surprise to any of us. However, let's, let's focus a little bit on some of the bright spots over the weekend because the lower grades both had wins and there's a couple of positive things to talk about with the NRLW uh, is there anything you want to touch on from our NRL game fellas <laughs> I mean I'd, I'd rather have it purged from my memory uh, but like Quint said the fact that it's over is nice that's probably the, the real silver lining there um, and again to everyone that attended if you came from interstate from country New South Wales Give yourself a massive salute. Uh, you did a great job. And, yeah, and for the Eels, well, yeah. Look, I think just going on um, some of the criticism that was there about BA in the presser with talking about the efforts of players, that he wasn't... He wasn't um, questioning that in any way that they're all that they're all trying do you think that's i mean that's obvious players obviously they don't go out there to lose they don't go out there to not try or anything like that but i guess what we could be critical of is that the resilience factor was a little bit low mm. um that we didn't see them at their best and therefore as i've suggested as well that there was a bit of a negative mindset that was there. I think the two teams came in with with different opinion, uh, different mindsets. So the the Roosters were there, believing it could be done. Maybe the Eels were there, hoping it could be done. Mm. 
Do you think that's a fair call? Based on what um, what we saw unfold, I don't think it's unfair to suggest that at all. You know, um, and, and and yeah, there, there, there's certainly some frustrating elements to that game. You know, I, I think we're, we're I don't think there's a Neil's fan watching that who wasn't um, frustrated every time the the Roosters had a scrum ten meters out and went, uh oh, here we go again. Um, you know, you 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 you'd like to see us uh, tactically try and adjust to that. And I think it wasn't until the third or fourth, the third or fourth time that we actually looked like we had one of those scrum moves under control. Um, you know, but um, yeah, look, I, I I agree with your sentiment. Sixties, it 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 just felt as though you know, and and that energy was probably um, uh, you could feel that energy around the stadium within the stands as well. There was certainly an element of hope from. From our side, and you know, there, there was uh, of, of the small contingent, but loud contingent of uh, Rooster supporters that were at Combank on Friday night. You know, they 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 were well behind their team and um, and rolling with the energy that that their team had um, put out. Yeah, you know what? It's such a contrast to a similar time last year when, first of all, I think we uh, we knocked over the storm in the final round last year, and like the the atmosphere in the stadium, the belief that was in the stadium that seemed to exude from out on the field. And then the other one that comes to mind was uh, in, in terms of being in the stands was that game against the Raiders in the final series last mm. year. It, it was just, there was a belief in the, in the stadium that the Eels were going to do a number on the Raiders. And of course mm. they delivered, in a in one almighty performance last year, and the contrast, like you said, you could feel like it was palpable, wasn't it? Mm. That the, the, there was, I mean, we were there. We were going there in hope, not in belief, as supporters. Yeah. And I think I think that was matched by the players. So, um, but let's get into in, into a couple of positives. First of all, we saw the New South Wales Cup team prevail twenty two to twelve with uh, five of the uh, Jersey flag players named to uh, participate in that game. We did see Richard Penasini only last a couple of minutes. He was uh, suffered a concussion in the early part of the game with a head clash. But apart from that, John, what was your takes on how the younger players performed in that game? Yeah, sort of tempering some of our you know hype is the fact that the Roosters are running last in this competition. But it is senior open-age football against NRL, uh, some NRL-caliber opponents in that team. And I thought that the young kids handled the task with aplomb. Uh, Joshua Lynn, uh, I was actually shocked, 60s, at how composed and confident he was. Um, not not like he's been you know, a scatterbrain, or scatterbrain, erratic sort of player at any point in his uh, career as an eel, but he just looks so like in tune with the team. Had a very good game. Um, Matty Arthur was outstanding off the interchange, came in, really took the, 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 the team up a couple of gears, was ripping the pass off the carpet, had a try assist for Makahesi Makatoa for the Eels to really go ahead and take the game by the scruff of the neck. And then all the other guys, uh, Charlie Geimer had an outstanding second half in defense, had the run that actually set up the Makatoa try. Um, I thought Sam Tuovaiti, who got the least minutes out of all the players, had a really nice impact on both sides of the ball in his limited opportunities, came in, uh, forced an error for a really good hit in defense, had a couple of strong mm. runs. Uh, and then, you know, the other, uh, I suppose the other ones that uh, have been part of a team for a while, uh, they're both flag eligible in uh, Artie and Jonte, 
you know, we're just doing things that they've been doing all season in a, in a good way. Like they've been strong and consistent, and that's exactly what they were against the Roosters again. Yeah, Clint, what would you like to add to that? Oh, I think we're all in awe of um, Matt Arthur's service. Um, what a pass he has on him. And, um, you know, uh, w- once he has a good off-season or two, we'll definitely see him uh, start to filter into the NRL squad. He, um, for, for anyone who was there on Friday for, for the, um, the curtain raise in New South Wales Cup game and saw Matt Arthur's minutes, you know, d- despite his diminutive size um, relative to some of the other players on the field, he more than held his own against those boys. And you know, as I said, this, the, the service was incredible um, and uh, aggressive in defence. Um, you know, the, the, and, and the thing to encompass and support all of 60s, um, all of 40s um, um, uh, anecdotes there is that not a single one of them looked out of place. No. And that it, w- it was very encouraging. You know, it, it's, it's also worth mentioning as well, um, Hayes Dunster had one of his best games mm-hmm. of rugby league in quite some time. You know, um, he, he, you know we, all, we all remember the game against Newcastle earlier in the year at Combank where he couldn't quite keep up with Will Penasini on, on the line break that he made. That would have been a, a certain try for Hayes. You know, we saw him take an intercept and run about 40, 50 metres, which, you know, um, 12 weeks ago, he would have been run down within 10 metres of taking that intercept. So you know, if he can get a good off-season into, um, into his legs, you know, there's, there's some um, positive, encouraging signs there. But um, o- overall, and, and, and I said it to both of you when we were in the stands, is that the, the, for a couple of these guys, there's a good launch pad. Uh, it was a good launch pad of performance to take into the off-season to try and, and push further. And, and some of those guys, you know, I mentioned Hayes before and, and, and obviously the Flake boys, um, you know, they should take some confidence from that game, from that performance, and you know, um, use that um, energy going into the um, into the off season and into the preseason to ready to come again for twenty twenty four. Yeah, absolutely, and I think the performances of the players spoke to uh, spoke for themselves. I don't really have too much more to to add to that. Just that I think we saw players who are a very realistic chance of playing NRL within the next. Uh, 18 months to two years. Uh, it mm. may happen sooner, one or two of them, but they're definitely the, the future there. And it's important that the Eels hold on to those players. Uh, I don't think we've seen a dummy half at Parramatta with the skill set that young Matt Arthur has. And uh, I think anyone that was, that was out there could see that... Um, I mean, it's not just the the passing game that he's got there, but he he challenged them a number of times, taking a dash out of out of dummy half, mm. and the the try assist that he put on for Macazzi Makatoa's try, where he, as you mentioned, Charlie Geimer got that um, good dash into about ten meters out from the line, got a quick play of the ball. Uh, Buds Arthur ducked out of dummy half, ran ran at the line found a pinpoint pass to Makahesi Makatoa, who crashed over. And, of course, Woods took the hit mm-hmm. for that that uh, that particular run. And you could see all the players, after the try was scored, they're, they're, all, they're all straight over to Woods before they got to Makahesi because they realised that not only was it skillful play, it was pretty brave given the, the difference in size between him and the players that he was running against. So... Yeah, big big future there for him. Charlie Geimer, so tough, mate. Just so tough. Runs mm-hmm. runs great lines. Gets so physical in defence. Uh, Sam Tuavite, 
genuine impact when he came off on the field and even looked um, bigger than a lot of his um, <laughs> colleagues did. At, at 18 years of age. Um, we, we, of course, got to see, as Forty said, the uh, composure of Josh Lynn. And I think he's really come ahead in leaps and bounds this year. Would have liked to have seen, a, um, you know, a bit more from uh, Richie Penasini. Um, that's it. That's probably finished him for the season unless the Jersey flag team qualify for finals football. And just on that, unfortunately, the Melbourne Storm didn't help us out in any way, shape or form. Uh, and the Penrith Panthers, they clashed on the weekend and the storm upset the Panthers. We were expecting maybe the Panthers to get the win, which then would have put the Eels ahead of the storm on, uh, put them on the same points. And then the Eels, of course, being ahead on the differential. That hasn't happened. The Eels are now still two points behind the storm. And this week, not only do the Eels have to beat the Panthers, but we have to hope that the Raiders upset the Storm. Now, that's not out of the question. They're only a couple of points uh, behind us on the table, the the, uh, the Raiders. But it's still now looking for a result to go our way, looking for an upset mm. to go our way. Mm. Just very and quickly on that. At the same time. Yes, absolutely. So we'll be out at Penrith Park covering the lower grade games uh, on Saturday. And uh, but yeah, there was a thirty-six to twenty win to the Jersey Flag team last week over the table-topping minor premiers, the Roosters. The Roosters can't lose the minor premiership, even though they lost to uh, the Eels on uh, on Saturday. Look, what a classy performance it was! I, I'm just they the the way that the Eels won the middle and really dominated the Roosters, who are a, a big physical side themselves and the most imposing side in the competition. And um, to be honest, I actually think that the 36-20 to 20 score flattered the Roosters on the weekend. I'm not saying that the Eels are that much better than the Roosters because I'm sure the Roosters will come out firing uh, this weekend and the Roosters may well go on and win the competition but it was a credit to the Eels, the the way that uh, the senior middles for the Eels, that being uh, Brock Parker and um, Tony Mattelli. and also sorry Tony Mattelli. Oh yeah, and Tony Mattelli were able to win the middle. I mean, the Tony Mattelli's been a revelation since switching from the edge back to the middle. I think that's his future there, and. Uh, of course, this week they're strengthened by the five, uh, sorry, four of those five players who played in the New South Wales Cup last week returning to the team this week. So, um, and uh, there's still, and you'll talk about, there's still some Jersey Fleet players that have been elevated back up to the uh, New South Wales Cup this week. But um, yeah, they, they really do re require results to go their way. Now, just on that, this week, Fellas, Jordan Rankin retires as a player. Now, we know that he's going to have a coaching career at the Eels and will move into that next season. But what a what a journey it's been for Jordan. I, I popped up a little photo um, a tribute to him on our uh, socials this afternoon, and there's a photo of him as a 16-year-old. <laughs> the baby face. Titans. Yeah, 
um, through to the uh, the the player with the shaved head and the beard um, that's now running around as the mentor for the Eels' younger players in New South Wales Cup. So he's debuted at, at 16. You're not going to get players that can debut at that age anymore mm. because of NR regulations. And uh, he's played 164 senior games across the NRL and, and over in England. 392 points to his name. He didn't. He didn't play a first grade game with the Eels because he's he's basically been signed there to be that steadying uh, influence in the uh, New South Wales Cup and has done so for uh, the last three seasons at the Eels. Even last year, taking on the most unusual role of captain coach <laughs> partway through the season when uh, Dave Kidwell left. And uh, Ryan Carr was elevated from uh, from New South Wales Cup coach to being assistant NRL coach, and there was uh, Jordan Rankin taking on captain coach roles. So, um, any any words uh, for Jordan before this weekend, fellas? Yeah, I think it's uh, the right time for him to be moving on and advancing his career into the the coaching category rather than the playing category. Um, looking forward to seeing what he can do for the club. He's been, like you said, 60s, a very good mentor on and off the field for a number of players, uh, both in his actual team itself in the cup and also for all the young kids coming from the pathways. Uh, and yeah, and really keen to see what he can do when he you know, takes over as a full-time coach. Yeah, Clint? Uh, it's pretty incredible, uh, a player debuting at 16, you know, and um, I think he, what, he was the third youngest player to ever make his debut um, off, off the top of my head. So, um, you know, and he, by, by that math, I think he's 31. He's spent half his life playing senior rugby league. Um, that's pretty amazing, <laughs> you know. So um, he's, he's obviously done it across a, um, um, a number of competitions with the NRL and, and, and the Super League. Um, and, you know, it, it's... Um, it it'll be really really interesting seeing how his um, career as a as a coach progresses. Obviously, you know, there was footage of him in the um, the SG Ball uh, Grand Final on the sideline there cheering on the boys, and um, uh, you know his involvement with the with those junior pathways. So, you know, it'll be interesting seeing how his um, his coaching pedigree comes up with some of those guys that he's been already doing plenty of mentoring work with. Yeah, so we've heard some heard some very good. Uh, had some very good uh, words said about him um, through the club. A um, lot of credit that's been given to him. Uh, very positive words from the younger players as well about the influence that he's had on them. So yeah, we wish him wish him well in his farewell game, and then um, also wish him the best of luck moving forward with his coaching career at the Eels. John, Teamless Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Do you want to take us through the main? Um, talking points across four grades of Eels selections. Yeah, we'll work our way up to the two main events in the NRL and NRLW. So the jersey flag, obviously boosted by those players coming back from the uh, New South Wales Cup, like you mentioned, 60s. Uh, that means that you've got the likes of uh, Lynn, Arthur, Tuavaiti, and Gaima coming back. However, they're going to be without Jock Brazel this week. I'm not sure if he picked up an injury or a suspension last week. Uh, but they're going to be going to Penrith without uh, their talismanic edge forward. Uh, but they do have a very good team in spite of that. Uh, Tweedle, Kamalafi, Loizu, Talangi, and Martin in the back line. Blaze able to play centre because Lynn is back. And then you've got 
Uh, obviously, Lynn and Sanders in the halves. Parker, Arthur, Mattielli in the front row. Guy Matupo and Lanaz, the versatile captain of the team, rounding out the pack. Pryke, Reed, Latu, and Tuovaiti on the interchange. No Lance for Lima as well, so I'm not sure if he's um, out due to injury or suspension, but that is a very good team. And unfortunately, like you said, they're relying on the Raiders to spring an upset down in Melbourne, uh, but neither Melbourne nor Parramatta will know uh, how the top five shakes out before kickoff because they're playing at the same time. So at full time, there's going to be uh, either a very bittersweet uh, team for Parramatta or a very happy, happy team. Yeah, let's let's hope that it's happy, happy, and uh, we'll be there, as I said, to provide coverage on that game. We'll also be there for what is Jordan Rankin's final game, which is the New South Wales Cup. What's the main selection takes from that, mate? Yeah, part of a doubleheader out at Penrith with that flag game. Uh, so for this one, Zach Sini makes a return from a broken hand. He's going to slot into the centres where Richard Benassini was playing. Obviously, no Richard in any grade this week with that concussion. Uh, Brennan Hands has been... Uh, shifted out of the NRL squad. He'll start at 5'8 alongside Rankin in the halves. Uh, front row and back row, I think, are the same 8-13 that took on the Roosters, which means Makatoa, Yates, Ogden, Murchie, Keir, and Rodwell. Bang them out uh, in a row quickly. Then it's a, a, a all, despite the flag being so strong this week, 60s, and Quentin, it's still an all-flag affair on the interchange. Uh, so we have those players coming back uh, to the flag that played last week, and instead... You've got Jacob Davis, Jonte Jr. Beth and Mieser, Lachlan Mears Crab, and Lockie Blackburn running the rotation in the uh, reserve grade game. So a uh, testament to the depth that's available in the flag this year. And hopefully, I, I sincerely hope, uh, a testament to what we can see in the Cup next year with all these guys forming the uh, basis of a, a good, young, talented Cup team. Yeah, I think if they're... Uh, if they're- Flag age eligible will be interesting to see which players are, ele- are elevated to New South Wales Cup next year. I think that will um, give a little bit of a guide as to the traje- trajectory of some players, mm-hmm. but I don't think it'll tell the full story because there's a wealth of SG ball players who didn't get an opportunity to play too much football for Jersey Flag this year. And you can imagine they're going to be forming the uh, core of the Jersey flag team next year. And uh, I think I think what we're likely to see is a New South Wales Cup team that's heavy on youth. And uh, it will also be reflected in maybe a younger Jersey Cup team than what we've uh, seen or what we could potentially see, I mean, it's up to a 21 years of age mm-hmm. uh, group, but I think we'll see a number of uh, 19-year-olds that are running around in that Jersey flag team. Uh, now, mate, you were really bullish about what you saw in the NRLW team. How's the, how has the uh, selection panned out this week? Yeah, got a couple of changes this week. Uh, unchanged backline, uh, which means Church, Faye, Hunt, Toi Hiku and Donovan going one to five. Obviously, we're all very pumped on uh, what Cassie's been doing, but Church and uh, Faye also having very good seasons too. Uh, in the halves, also unchanged this week. We do have a change in the pack though. Jade Fanua, like Zaxini, coming back from a broken hand, so good for her to get back into the action. She's going to start at lock forward. I'm actually really keen to see what she can add to this team because she was thrust into the halves sort of out of nowhere in round one, and, and obviously it's pretty tough for a forward to 
slot into halfback and, and make a difference. So she comes back into her preferred position, can do a bit of ball playing through the middle. Uh, that pushes Tyler Amiatu, probably our breakout star in the forward pack, into the front row, which is much of a muchness for her. She started at lock last week. Her mission statement's going to be exactly the same. She's going to go out there and run hard. Uh, but yeah, that rounds out the changes to the pack. On the interchange, though, a couple of new faces. Nakia Davis-Walsh is back in the team. She feels like she's a week in, a week out right now. Uh, but she's on the interchange. And then the big surprise, uh, there's a mid-season pickup. Uh, the Eels have gone to the formidable Canterbury Bulldogs Tasha Gale team and picked up a young back rower by the name of Noah Ria Kapua, who's a goal-kicking edge back rower that also uh, repped for New South Wales 19s this year. So it looks to be a handy pickup uh, for our, our uh, NRLW team. And I'm very interested to see how she's used. Yeah, it's um, it actually surprises me that we were picking up someone from that Canterbury team. I, I would have thought that they, um, well, they, they don't have an NRLW team to lock her into. But, yeah, it's uh, it's a good sign that we were able to identify her because she is a talent. Yeah, they're, they're the sort of aggressive moves you always like to see a team make, uh, especially when... You know, it feels like you're sort of picking on Canterbury in that regard because they don't have the pathway to the NRLW, but that's what you got to do. Uh, you got to be, yep, you know, yep. opportunistic and, and seize the moment, seize the advantage that's in your favour. Because right now it is, but once Canterbury establish that pathway, obviously it's going to be a lot tougher uh, to poach mm-hmm. those sort of players. But right now we, we're in the box seat for it, and you know there might be a couple other players you can probably look at from those sort of squads uh, that don't have a, a very obvious pathway to full time rugby league football. Yeah, there's been a uh, there's been late changes in uh, every week. Do you see anything on the extended bench there that we might that might mm. get a last minute call up? That's interesting. Um, it's it's hard to say. Uh, we we are potentially a little bit light on middle forwards at that bench. Looking at it, because Capri is obviously a dummy half utility. Yes, you can push Kennedy into that uh, Kennedy, Ruben into that lock role uh, as the undersized lock forward there, and and that helps mitigate it somewhat. But I think Shannon Muru was the only recognised middle forward. I know Nakia Davis-Walsh can play lock technically, but they'd be as the ball-playing lock, not the work-rate impact lock. Uh, so I would not be shocked if uh, we saw someone drop out. I'm not sure who. Hopefully not. it's not the rookie because I'm really keen to see what she can do. Uh, but maybe uh, Nakia, uh, I suppose, or I suppose maybe Capri if they just want to go for the one dummy half. And then you'd have maybe someone like Ruby Jean or Maddie Jones come into the team to bulk up that uh, middle rotation. Clint, are you feeling as bullish as John about the what you've seen from the Eels NRLW team the last couple of weeks? Well, it's certainly been improved efforts, you know, and it, it it's kind of not too dissimilar to last year in which the girls took a couple of games to build into the season. Obviously, the season was a bit shorter and we were the beneficiaries of of um of that last year and being able to string a couple of games together and make the make the grand final but you know um it feels as though they're edging closer towards a win and, and, and at this point you know we said it a couple of weeks ago all you got to do is try and um stack some performances on top of each other not worry about the result but just try and you know a, a, a um analogy i like to use in terms of building a house you know, just lay one brick as as well and as, as good as you can possibly lay a brick and then try and lay another one on top of it equally as good, if not better, you know, and eventually you'll, you'll have a pretty well-built house. So, uh, you know, that, that, that's, that's certainly the remit and the way in which I see it for the girls at the moment. There's, there's some encouraging signs, you know, um, it would be even better if we had, um, 
um, if we have both Albert and Sherrington available to play. But, you know, um, that, that that's just where the girls are at the minute. And, um, you know, um, I'm, I'm certainly looking forward to seeing them build on, on the last couple of weeks, you know. This is this is probably a, um, a another good opportunity for them to to try and break their um uh, their drought and get their first win of the year. Yeah, there, I think there are some real genuine um, quality, potentially representative level players that are running around for the Eels in the NRLW at the moment that we're we're seeing. I, I'm a like forty. I can't help but think that if we can better utilise Cassie Toihiku that you know she she is going to be like one of the aces in the Eels team in years to come and hopefully we do manage to keep her on our books uh, just going to finish off our Eels news with some NRL 360 takes on the Eels uh, first of all I think they Maybe they read my reports on the series of um, on the Eels autopsy of the season because uh, they spoke about the Eels roster, the injuries, the suspensions. Um, so that was very familiar territory for us listening to it tonight, and it's and it basically echoed what has, has been written on TCT about the Eels season. Um, I and just as a note for any of our listeners. There were to be two other parts, being the draw and uh, the officiating. And um, I just thought those, looking at those aspects, yes, I think they're relevant. But I think in the context of how the season finished, it felt like they were more excuses than reasons. And I mean, mind you, I still see them as reasons, but I'm I'm trying to read the room there. And I think it's... I think it was probably best to to keep the focus on the things that we could do something about this year, and there wasn't too much that we could do about the the draw or or some of the officiating, um, fellas. The what was your what was your thoughts on what they had to say? Yeah, look, um, <laughs> uh, like you, sixties. Uh, when I was listening along to it, I couldn't help but. Uh, have a wry smile come uh, come across my face ear to ear. Um, Shows your cat grin going. I've I've heard this somewhere before. It's almost it's almost though it's been it's been penned by one of the, the three people on this show. But um, you know that's that, that, that's hardly new territory for anyone that listens to us um, with any any sense of regularity because um, you, know, you you often hear your, your talking points regurgitated sixties. It's because you're you're very in tune with the game of rugby league and our club, but. Um, yeah, look, it's it's absolutely something worth considering, um, and I say that from the perspective of of what you've raised, sixties, not 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 from um, the points being echoed um, in the wider media. You know, all they're doing is giving your voice a platform, mate. So maybe you should thank them. But um, <laughs> yeah, look, I I I, I do think um, there's there's some uh, credence to that. Um, and it's just, it's something that's just going to have to come out of our end of season review. And you know, um, there's basically a couple of options with it. You know, we can continue down the same path. Insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. Uh, so you know, we can choose to alter our path and and um, and look at alternative options. And you know, if if you ask me, you know, um, 
we've said it uh, quite a number of times this year, you know, um, it, it is healthy and wise to leave some spa, uh, space in the cap, um, but you've got to pull the trigger at some point, you know, and that's kind of been my catchphrase for this year is you, 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 you've got to um, have a plan and go, you know what, this is the time in which we, um, you know, we, we probably break our own rule and, and, and we're doing it because we know that um, the, the benefits far outweigh the cons of making this decision. And you have the um, ability to make those decisions and, and, and the resources there to make those decisions, knowing that you will eventually do it at, that, at some point. Because if you don't, then it's just um, underutilized or unused resources. So what's the point in, in creating um, the opportunity for it in the first place? So, um, yeah, look, you know, there's um, something for us to consider going into this, um, into this uh, off-season. And um, hopefully um, we can take it as a lesson learned moving forward. Well, look, I will have to say that there's plenty of people out there that disagree with me and they're, and they're quite entitled to have their opinion and m may well be right. I mean, there is no shortage of people who have, who have been calling for BA's head. And we're not calling for BA's head. Nope. Uh, but I'm... I'm I'm not going to shout down people that take a different opinion to what we have. What I what I like to think about when I'm when I'm having the opinion that I have is that I'm trying to base it on the facts of the season. The facts being a shortened roster, a roster that lacked in depth in the back line. Um, the number of injuries and suspensions that happened during the season with that, um, the fact that going forward, we need to make some improvements on our roster. Now, could BA have done things better this year? Well, John and I, we've had our takes on the season where we've been critical. I wasn't happy with his clean ruck that he was aiming for this year. It should have worked in theory with if the officiating did what it was supposed to do with the clean ruck. It didn't. It was evident early in the season. I think he hung on to that for a bit too long. And by the time uh, that we actually changed that, because whether people realised it or not, we stopped having that clean ruck probably about a month or so before the end of this, of this season. Um, I think the damage was already done with the um, officiating. So we have an issue there. John's taken issue with BA over his um, his use of the interchange. He, he not happy. Uh, you haven't been happy with the minutes, have you, John? With um, the rotation? Yeah, he hasn't always gotten it right. There's no doubt. Like in my mind, there's no doubt about that. Um, you know, yeah. But it, it it's been a failure at multiple levels here. I, I think it's unfair to level 100 percent the blame at any particular facet of our football operations. Although there are areas I feel like we've let ourselves down in more than others. But yeah, there's no doubt the coaching staff absolutely have a portion of blame to shoulder. Yeah, and and I guess where that comes in as well is that that is that's subjective. Yeah, mm. when any look at at a performance, and be it the players, be it the um, the coaching, that's a subjective assessment. I've tried to look at things objectively, which is if you don't have a full roster, that's that pretty much speaks for itself. If you don't, if you only have seven outside backs, and the and those and those that are within those outside backs 
have had injury concerns or if you miss the number of games that have been missed this year. And it's well north of, uh, I think from memory off the top of my head, it was something like about 120 games or something like that or, or more that were missed combined through injuries and suspension this year. I mean, that's just significant. Like you, you cannot, I mean, that is actually quantifiable. Those hmm. sorts of, those sorts of features of the season. Um, the subjective is, uh, as I said, the uh, performance of, of players, the uh, performance of coaches, officiating, those sorts of things. So um, keeping it keeping it objective, we look at what the uh, what the roster looks like next year, and we're down on right now as things stand. There's 27 players signed with the club for next year. In for the top 30, that is, we have six players to cover the outside backs, and that includes the elevation of Zach Sini and and the continued rehabilitation of Hayes Dunster. So you had the four outside backs that played on the weekend, plus Zach Sini and Hayes Dunster. You have six players in the top third in that top 30 in their current 27 that are signed to cover the four spine positions so six full-time uh, players for the four spine positions at the moment there is no backup for gutho and if you if you were to play a, someone out of position at fullback to replace Gutho if he was out injured or suspended, whatever the case may be. You therefore, at this stage, are weakening a outside back group that only contains those six players that I talked about before. So we have a problem. And we the uh, the only coverage outside of that is that you have Brendan Hands and um, who's there who can cover, I guess he could cover the halves, but he's basically there as one of the dummy halves. And you have Dejan Arcy, who is one of the cover, the only cover for Dylan Brown and Mitch Moses. I think we're okay for forwards, but those two... Um, groups of positions, the spine and the outside backs, we've got a problem. Now, we just mentioned the forwards. Here's the other thing that was mentioned on NRL 360. They are linking Isaiah Papali'i with a likely return to the Eels. Yeah, amidst all now, the turmoil at West Tigers uh, with Tim Sheen's leaving, um, there's, yeah, some, looks like there's some happenings, but God, you love ice, but 60s, is that roster balance? Well, I mean, you you have to be talking about. Um, I mean, have they got have they got the the salary cap money to get him next year? I think they actually do. They've obviously got a. They've obviously got the numbers that can fit him in. But as you said, as much as we'd love to see Ice back at the club. And we think he would be a positive addition for the club. 
how does that help the outside back or the spine scenario? I mean, it gives us a very powerful forward pack. I mean, you're actually talking about squeezing ice in to a pack that generally is, I mean, people that will look at the Eels pack at full strength and go, okay, where does where does he fit in now? I guess there's people out there who aren't fond of the form of some forwards this year, but you have to think given um, a rest of the uh, for the off season. I know we got the Pacifica test, but let's leave that aside for one moment. <laughs> but the Eels are going to get more of a rest now, anyway, because even if there's some that play in the Pacifica test, they're getting their rest after this weekend. They're not playing during the final series, and they're getting an early. They they finish up a week before every other team, so they've got like five weeks of rest now. Um, you have to think they're going to be re- relatively refreshed with the forwards. So the the opportunity cost is a roster position and the money as well. So maybe that's a that's something that our listeners might want to talk about in uh, any discussions on this post. What would you do if you had the opportunity to take ice back? Do you take him back? And if so, do you release a player? Do you, I mean, what do you, what do you do? What's the answer in terms of outside backs? Give us your opinion, John, very quickly from you. What's your take on that? Yeah. I mean, it's hard to say no to ice because of how fantastic he was for us. The combination he has of Mitchell Moses and I, know that Bryce obviously has struck up a very strong combo with Mitch too. Uh, but there's no reason why you'd, in a vacuum, you'd say no to Ice coming back. You know, he's a outstanding player that played his best football as an eel. Uh, but I, I don't think you can have him back unless you're confident you can also solve that other issue. I, I'm, I know it's a little bit risky. I'm ready to hand wave the spine depth to some degree. Uh, if it meant, if, if I had to choose between the two, I'd be more confident about our spine staying our spine staying healthy. And if they didn't, if they went down of injury, you're, it's not like your season's guaranteed loss, but it's a huge loss anyway. Even if you bring in a replacement level player, so I, I would be willing to cop that as an opportunity cost because backs always go down or get suspended because of the way they you know when they're jamming and being aggressive and whatnot. Um, if they, if they can't get ice uh, without sorry if they. Yeah, if they can't get eyes about guaranteeing to themselves that they can figure out this backline problem, then I'm, I'm not sure it's worth the move. And that is in no way a knock on ice because I, I love him as a player, as a character, and as a fit for this club. Uh, but, yeah, it would it, feel like you're, you're just treading water if you were to bring him back and then leave your backline stocks where they are currently heading into 2024. Yeah. Uh, Clint, what's the solution? Um, well... You know, these these are definitely um, opportunities that you have to consider. And if it turns out that um, there is the chance for us to uh, bring ice back to Parramatta, then we need to find a way to make it happen. But um, to the point that Forty was just making, you know, and 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 that we've been discussing through throughout this pod and throughout the year, you know, we, we need to find a way to create space in the top thirty. 
Um, you know, no one's doubting his quality and the value that he adds to our team. And, you know, you put it out there, most fans, they would absolutely agree and most likely take him back in a heartbeat. But the fact of the matter is that we've got 27 of 30 roster spots filled. And with that backline and um, half-depth um, conundrum that exists, um, it would then leave only two other spots there. And we've, we've possibly got another two or three um, players we need to um, put into the, the side at the very least to help create that balance. So, you know, the answer then becomes, uh, uh, or the question then becomes, do you have the ability to move someone on? And if so, um, are you going to have to do that at cost? Well, if you're moving someone under contract um, on, then the answer to that question is yes, you are going to have to do that at cost. So then we have to look at it from the perspective of um, if we were to go down that path and to um, examine bringing ICE back, uh, what um, um, what trigger do we um, pull in relation to that? Because, you know, people might have an opinion about the players that they'd want to release, but they also have to be desirable to other clubs to pick up as uh-huh, well. Ah, yes. You've nailed it. So, You've nailed it. So, you know, um, you, could, you can identify... Um, player X and say, look, they haven't added as much value as we want. We want to move them on. Yeah, well, that's great. Who else is going to want them then? <laughs> you know, yeah, you, so yeah. you, have to, you, have, you have to do it from the lens of, because um, you know, no club's going to take a one-sided deal because it suits Parramatta. It has to be something that's mutually beneficial to some degree, you know. So, um, and people might point to the likes of Canterbury saying, well, they find a way. Well, you know, we've spoken to the last couple of weeks of, of um, some of our I guess uh, I'll leave it at suspicions into how they conduct business um, out that out that way. So, you know, um, you um, you I, I do urge people who are joining in this conversation in the comments section of this pod, if you um, if you were to bring ice back, you know, what type of player and who are you looking at that might be desirable to other clubs, and then um, you know, what the sort of uh, financial arrangement would be in making that happen because. Um, it's not going to be all one-sided and just work work out Parramatta's way. You know, that has to be upside for any potential departing player and the, and the potential club that they might go to. So, you know, you'd be looking, because we've got quite a bit of forward debt, you'd be looking at some um, clubs that might be looking to add to their forwards and, and looking at who might be an option there. And it's also interesting that you you raised about how other clubs are able to do this because I think... The other interesting thing that they spoke about on 360 and which has been a topic for discussion with a lot of Eels fans has been the fact that the Eels don't really operate with TPAs and it was suggested on 360 tonight that there was an element of paranoia Mm -hmm. with the Eels after being caught back in 2016 with uh, dodgy salary cap management and that the Eels do not and to use the quote that they use there, stretch the salary cap rules the way that other clubs do, and uh, or that we are not as good at doing that, let alone, I guess, even trying to do it. And uh, do you think that's a valid point, John? 100%. I think we've inferred as much on the podcast in the past um, that uh, in an era where there's plenty of teams being... Uh, dabbing, sort of dipping their feet into the greyness of the salary cap. After what happened in 2016, the Eels are undoubtedly one of the few clubs that would be completely cap compliant. Um, and, you know, between that and the fact that we, in general, even when we were cheating, uh, weren't great TPA uh, contenders in that regard, despite being such a, a big presence in the uh, NRL market, 
means that you're operating at a huge disadvantage. And we've, we've been successful in spite of that rather than being boosted by that. Uh, but that can only carry you so far, can't it? And I think we, among other things, that is one of the sort of hurdles that hit us this year was we got pulled apart by the salary cap. We lost Murata Niakore, Isaiah Papali'i, Ray Stone, Oregon Kafusi, so on and so forth. We had to go out there and, and, and find value pickups to replace them, and we obviously hit the jackpot in someone like Jermaine Hopgood, but by the same token, we also um, you know, missed the target completely with someone like Jerome Amasia. So when you're operating with those sort of confines uh, or confinements on you, um, you know, it, it puts a lot of pressure on recruitment to consistently hit the ball out of the park with your guys that over, overperform relative to their cap slot. So, yeah, it, it is a big, big disadvantage. It is a big deal. Okay, fellas. Well, let's move on because we've got plenty of juicy NRL news this week. And let's start with what's been reported today about the West Tigers chairman, Lee Hedgepentalis, that he's looking at, or or he he sent a warning letter that he would um, sue the West's Life podcast because they'd made comments which I guess we can assume um, were meant to be humorous, that part of their um, offer to Mitch Moses to lure him to the Tigers was that Hadjibantalis was going to drive Moses to and from Tigers training in his in his Ferrari. Now, obviously, Hadjibantalis has taken exception to that. He does have a history with that particular podcast, Um and the podcast has apologised. But then, of course, they've reportedly then uh, backtracked and had more cracks at the chairman. So, I mean, um, I mean, who who gets upset by something like can, that? Like, and, 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 John, and can, who, who, can has, I get, who has public arguments with fans? Yeah. Like, hey, hang on, hang on, hang on. I want to stop both of you. Can you throw in some allegedly's in there? Yes, just to, uh, allegedly. Just yes, yes allegedly, allegedly, allegedly. Reporting allegedly. on the alleged situation. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know if this is exactly the Streisand effect in action because it's not like they were trying to cover something up and then draw attention to it, but it certainly Streisand affected it into the NRL stratosphere because of how stupid and petty it is to send that sort of like legal cease and desist to a podcast about those sort of comments because how is that defamatory? Like, yeah, it, it's, not, uh, it's, I, not, it's, it's not hurting the question of his character in any sort of public opinion. Like, it, it is humorous and silly and, and you know, plays on NRL cap stuff uh, that, you know, we, we've spoken about with every club pretty much. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I, I feel for the, the Westlife podcast guys because that, it, it is never fun to get that sort of mail, is it? especially when it's about the club you support and when they're the ones that have been you know, screwing up at every turn. Can I, can I just mention a couple, of curious, a couple of curious things with this? The Westlife podcast is sponsored by West Sashfield, their league's <laughs> club. Now, um, yeah, like it beggars this... This this makes it, I think, even even more odd that he has had quite a history, uh, Hadjipentalis, uh, of 
of a war of words with this particular podcast, the West's Ashfield Leagues Club sponsors the Westlife podcast. I, I'm pretty sure that maybe in, in a similar way to us, they make appearances, I think, at West at West Leagues at Ashfield as well. Um, and and that Lee Hedgemantalis, of course, he's the chairman of West Tigers. He's also the principal of the West Tigers' major sponsor, Bryden's Lawyers. It's, it's just it's it's. Could you script this better? Like for for to appear in in the news. I mean, it's and and, and by the way, I can't even we can't even use the word alleged because Westlife is is sponsored. It's on their it's on their podcast that they're sponsored by West Ashfield. Lee Hatchapentelis is the chairman of West Tigers, of which the West's Leagues Club is. Are they the majority shareholder of the West Tigers? West Leagues? Um, I believe they are. They should be. That's usually how the NRL yeah. licenses work. <laughs> like, yeah. So and yeah. and Hadjipentalis is the principal of the major sponsor, Bryden's Lawyers, who are the yeah, as I said, major sponsor of, of the, the West Tigers. The principal it's, sponsor, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's it 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 is an interesting web. It just that's. I mean, it, the I've noticed that there's been a a bit of a turn in the NRL media in the last week or so. With the Tigers sort of, at least the the players, ex players that is, talking that you know the the old age of it begins in the front office because it feels like throughout all this saga, it's not like they've been unscathed, uh, but they've they've escaped the magnitude and degree of criticism they deserve for all the operations they've been doing. Allegedly, uh, uh, with the club because they've churned through coaches, they've churned through players. If you've if you go back and do like an ex coach and best of ex players roster for the Tigers, they've actually got a premiership caliber team that they've let walk, and all with pretty much the same front office. So you know where really is the fault with the Tigers? Well, there's. Do you know what? If nothing else, Clint. They're a generous club because they gave a barbecue to Luke Brooks <laughs> as as a parting gift. Uh, I didn't I didn't um, see the Tigers Titans game live, I, so I saw this after the fact. And I, I I'll admit, I when I saw a picture of this in my newsfeed, I I, I thought someone had mocked something yeah, up. It's like Photoshop. Me, like meme the Photoshop and just you know yeah the barbecue. I just assumed it was a meme, and then and, and then um, a, a fan created meme, and then when I sort of um. You know, I saw the articles about it after the fact. I went, oh, no, this is absolutely legit. Um, yeah, look, it's <laughs> uh, really unique, kind of weird that they chose to present him with a gift on game day in front of the fans, let alone it being a barbecue, like presenting a gift in front of the fans. Like, like do that stuff in your own time. Like, you know, if, if, if that's your prerogative to give a player something. Um, but at the same token as well, boys, and I know that I think the Sydney Morning Herald put an article out about it today, that it's not something that has to be declared under the um, under the salary cap. Well, you know what? Fui Fui Moi Moi gave me a call oh. this afternoon and says he wants the, he wants um, the, the plane tickets that. for his family yeah. taken back off our cap from you, you talk about tone deaf in the NRL. Come on. But, oh. you know, I mean, to the Tigers' credit, uh, they got the win against the Dolphins. Maybe that was the real issue. They weren't giving Luke Brooks a barbecue every week. 
uh, before the game. <laughs> you know, maybe that's what well, that's they... the golden nugget. You know, I dare say they'll roll them out. Um, they'll roll them out for twenty five weeks straight uh, just, next year. Look, but I I enjoy a quality barbecue and you know the work you can do with a good barbecue in terms of all your culinary stuff. But come on, like <laughs> he's like your longest tenured half. You know, it's an end of an era for the club. Give him like a watch or a ring or something. Yeah, like something that's actually got a bit something of something. And, do, and a, do that on the awards prime. night. Do that at the club yeah, awards night, or do, or do that privately. Yeah, like I said, sixties, like a, a framed, you know, uh, jersey, jersey yeah, with like some photos and and milestone things uh, put in there. Like, <laughs> yeah, because you know what, the the fans would identify with something like that. Oh my god! Um, I, I think I was driving somewhere when um, the I, I think it was Triple M cut back in, like it was almost a um, breaking uh, like news. Break- yeah, you know, a, a barbecue has been wheeled out. Maybe there's a the, maybe there's a humorous backstory to it, like stadium. James, like James Maloney, and there's something about barbecuing on his own uh, that the, the yeah, Tigers know and we don't. Yeah, yeah. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's not let's not open that up again. Allegedly. Um, now, allegedly. Yeah. <laughs> now, before we get before, I, look, I want to finish with the South stuff. So before we get to that, just very quickly, Manly's dropped Josh Schuster. Any surprise? I'm not surprised. No. I mean, it was it's been a long time coming. Not the slightest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A few, yeah. A few weeks yeah. too late. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Block, uh, blocker. Spud was on uh, NRL tonight, I think it was, and was like, you know, sort of shielding Schuster because he's got a bit to do with him uh, as a, you know, sort of aid to the club and the training he does with his gym. But yeah, I mean, all the physical talent in the world, and he just, I don't think he's got the appetite to dominate. Obviously, there's a joke there about you know appetite elsewhere, uh, given the shape he's been in at various times. But I think he's actually done okay this season, keeping himself in shape after the mid-season fat camp. But uh, unless something clicks massively for him mentally, uh, he is going to be one of those guys that we're going to talk about in 10, 15 years, saying, "Oh, you remember Schuster? Oh, yeah, that guy. He could have been anything." But you know, he, only, mm. he was the player who always turned it on against the Eels. Well, yeah, true, <laughs> true. Although it's more, it was more of a case of all these silly kicks happened to bounce the right way against Parramatta, whereas for other teams, That's it. they bounced the, the way they would usually bounce. Um, so, yeah. Uh, look, Manly don't need him as a half anymore, which he lost a lot of leverage there with uh, obviously Jake joining the club initially, but then more uh, significantly Luke Brooks. Um, he It's on him now. you know. Manly are obviously on the books, uh, on the hook on the books, for a lot of money, and that's going to hurt them. But you know, they they can drop him now. They've you know, they he's just an edge forward now, and they're not expendable by any means. But they're far more expendable than a five eighth. So he has to do a lot of soul searching. Yeah. Now let's dive into what's happening over there at South Sydney, because it's almost a case of where do we start tonight? Now. I'm going to get rid of the easy one first, which is Latrell Mitchell's copped a one-week suspension for the elbow to the back of the head. You happy with one week? I, You know what? In a vacuum, I am. I feel, given all the cheap shit that he's had in his game for a long time, that they could have come down a lot harder and I would not have been upset. Uh, but at least one game is an actual suspension, whereas I thought he might have gotten off, given it's Latrell. Yeah, Clint. Uh, one week is progress in the context of what John just said. 
Um, but you know, personally, you know, when when you look at um, the in uh, the intent, uh, or you know, if you want to infer it as intent, because Latrell went after um, Tyson Frizzell there. There was definitely some frustration in what he did versus you know the the clumsy effort of um, RCG in the Titans game and that getting mm-hmm. uh, four weeks. You know, it, it, again, it's 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 kind of the the theme of the judiciary for all NRL fans out there. We can all cop whatever um, the punishment is. We just want to see some consistency in the application of the of of what determines that punishment, so we can all make some sense of it. So that way, we we know when any given offence has has occurred. All right, well, that's probably going to be two weeks. You know, not not a oh, okay. Well, that's probably a week or two, and then we get the surprise of four weeks. What? Why? <laughs> yep. You know, and so yep. on and so forth. Now let's let's build the other aspects of things that are going on at South to see if we can join any dots. Okay. There is the rumoured favouritism towards Latrell Mitchell and Cody Walker by head coach Jason Demetriou um, that he doesn't apply the same discipline standards uh, to them as he does to other players. Uh, we then also had the uh, linking in, I guess, with that is that um, Latrell Mitchells gets away with lazy play all the time. And that was highlighted on 360 for his game on the weekend. It's the first time they've and ever actually then, caught him out on it too. It's, this has been a long time coming. Like, yeah, he makes the fashy plays, but he is by far the laziest fullback in the competition. Yeah, yeah. And and we don't we can't comment on any anything to do with favoritism in terms of discipline because um, you know, we're we're not aware of anything that's happened within the the South Sydney camp where there's been anyone that's been treated any differently to anyone else. That's all the story that's maybe coming from a leak within the club. Um I think one of the one of the uh, reports on it in the media might have referenced that the assistant coaches were at odds with Jason Demetrio. I, I saw a Sydney Morning Herald report that said that uh, Burgess and Morris, Josh Morris, John Morris, sorry, not Josh, John Morris, the, uh, the former Eel and, uh, and also the head coach for the Sharks at one point, uh, confronted Demetrio about the perceived double standards or unfair standards um, that are, you know, favor- or favoritism that are there and, it led to a crisis meeting and evidently the club backed uh, their head coach and stars over the two assistant coaches. So Burgess, who was departing at season's end, has been shipped out immediately, likewise for Morris. Uh, now, that was the point that I was leading to. Uh, has that now been confirmed? Because that was, as uh, it was reported as breaking news on 360 tonight, they said that there was a meeting, a board of directors were meeting tonight to make a decision on that. Has that been confirmed? Has it been, um, is it out there now that it's the decision has been made? Uh, I'm not sure if the article has been updated, but Michael Chamis on the Sydney Morning Herald has said that they deferred the decision on the future of the two assistant coaches until tomorrow morning uh, as they consult um, Russell Crowe. So, but apparently the, well, the way it's been intimated towards uh, Chamis and the way he sort of uh, had, had the, uh, heading and whatnot says that would imply that they're leaning towards parting ways with the assistant coaches. So uh, this isn't a, a small little issue now with the South Sydney. This is actually like a future-defining like sort of schism. Like they've they've got some real issues yeah. here. And of course, the other the other 
thing there that was part of that uh, jigsaw puzzle was Dimitriou <laughs> uh, liking a post on Instagram that was uh, critical of uh, a couple of the players. Uh, it was a uh, actually a reply from uh, someone to an Instagram post, and he's evidently accidentally hit the like button. Yes, accidentally uh, on the on the on the criticism saying something about these uh, reserve grade standard players or, or was that effect. Yeah, so, how can we win for um, reserve grade plotters or something along the lines was the, yeah, the, the yeah. vibe of the, the tweet or the Instagram post, whatever it was. Uh, yes. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. Why, yeah, why, uh, why an NRL coach is uh, out there on Instagram mm. uh, looking to read takes like this and their finger is anywhere near the the, the little heart <laughs> well look it, 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 it can happen very incidentally but the the, the 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 question is the first question you ask is why is a an NRL head coach on social media in the first place you know i think when you're holding a position like that it's it's time to deactivate any accounts you have if you got them um because it just could not be healthy for you either way regardless of the team's going well and they're firing or if they're or if they're playing poorly and, and struggling, you just don't need that type of background noise in a job that's as tumultuous as being an NRL head coach. Clint, can I say to you, the times when I have accidentally liked something has has been when I've gone to comment and I've hit the like button instead <laughs> of instead of that. But uh, you know, like to hit a like next to a reply. Is it could have been trying to scroll um, back up? I, look, and, and the reason I say is because I do it all the time in my Twitter feed. <laughs> you know, I, I'm, I've I've got fat thumbs. You know, if you think of that Simpsons episode, you, you, you know, the fingers they've used are too fat to dial. Um, I, I think that's me. Um, so I can I can give a little bit of a leeway there. Um, maybe I'm being generous. Um, you know, but um, you're a kind of person uh, again, I am, Quint. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, well, but again, you know, I just. I I I, do, I question more why a coach would be on social media in the first place. There was a well. The thing, the thing is, it's you know, like if you're scrolling on Instagram, which it was on, um, you got plenty of screen there to scroll without going near the hearts. You know, like you you're scrolling near the middle of the of the of the screen. If you're scrolling over on the side, you're asking for trouble. Because you're going to be liking everything. <laughs> and the other thing too, boys, is before all this started developing in the last 24 hours, um, I don't know if there's any traction to this one, but there was a bit of a, a rumour on social media about a potential backflip from South Sydney Star Recruit for 2024. Mm. So maybe there is, like, just to add to more unrest there, maybe, and given how close Jack Whiten is to, or supposedly close he is to Latrell Mitchell, I, I don't know, like... It, that would be the cherry on top of South Sydney, wouldn't it? To you know, dump assistant coaches, oh. lose your marquee signing who's coming yeah. to you for a song. Yeah. Oh, that that'd be. Um, I mean, is it outside the realms of possibility? Now, not when you well when you see these. Yeah, when you of, when you see some of this stuff, yeah. exactly. I think Forty and I are about to say the same thing. You see this stuff going. It certainly sounds like there's a bit of noise going on. Um, but at the same time, you know, um, say that were to transpire, uh, gee, South Sydney would require some compensation um, to, to allow that. Um, you know, they've, they've, they've based their whole recruitment strategy around the acquisition of 
and 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 their squad for the next three four years around the recruitment of Jack White and you know and, and um, I know he went there on less money than what Canberra offered him initially, um, but it still it still wasn't chump change and you know you you're obviously making some um, some very big decisions around uh, the makeup of your squad when you recruit a player on big money like they have Jack White and so you know they 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 then have an um, an opportunity cost or loss I should say. Um, by not being able to recruit other players, if that were to happen, um, given the uh, given you know now um, a lot of those big players have, who are making their moves for next year have, have settled their futures or supposedly so, um, I think Canberra would be not only just up for a build um, um, to South Sydney, but likewise, um, you know, I, I doubt he, um, I doubt Jack's going to turn around and say, yeah, well, I'm willing to go through all this trouble just to be paid the same as what I am at South. I still want the 1.1 that you initially offered me. Oh, imagine the cojones <laughs> walk in and say and demand that. <laughs> yeah, I was going. Yeah, to, yeah I was going. To but, leave. Yeah, but exactly right. You know, like it it it, it sounds bizarre and, and you know, like you know the audacity um, if that were to actually transpire. But at the same time, you know, um, you know he's, he's not going to suddenly go. Well, hold on. You thought I was 1.1, and now you don't want to offer me that. All right. Well, you know what? I'll, 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 I, I, I don't know. If like when you when you're a player of his profile and what and what he means to Canberra. If Canberra really want to keep him, I suppose it's largely just a question of who's got the leverage, um, the bigger leverage in this situation. I kind of feel like Jack would still have that over Canberra. Uh, well, I guess this is the thing that happens when the form of a club that's expected to do well drops off now we've seen plenty of it with our own eels this season but i think it's fair to say that south may well have topped it well and truly i mean i i think with what's transpiring in this 24 hours this is potentially one of the the biggest nrl stories to drop this yeah. year isn't it yeah i think it's almost been it feels weird to say, but it's almost been slept on right now. Like, in terms of the the seismic implications, like this could tear the club apart. Like the this is a really big deal, and this is, this is very much a, a defining moment for Demetrio Walker and Mitchell. Like, if it really is to the point where assistant coaches have called out the head coach, and Michael Chamis is one of the premier reporters in the game, he's got no reason to get this one you know wrong as a, a, a mistell. Like, goodness, like, this is actually, in terms of rugby league stories, like, non-off-field drama players doing dumb stuff in that regard, this is probably one of the biggest stories we've seen in a long time. I mean, where is it in in the NRL that a team that's on the cusp of finals football, and let's face it, that they they will pretty much get there if they beat the Roosters in, the, in that last mm. week, that... In, in this situation, with one game left in the season, that they sack their assistant coaches. Now, if by any chance this doesn't transpire, that they don't, how how are the relationships going to work? <laughs> if, like, you'd have to assume, yes, this is, they are going to sack them because to not sack them, it, it means that someone like, potentially the head coach, if it was the head coach that said this has to happen, could he be expected to work with them? Um, 
if they are sacked, how do the players respond to this? How do how does the 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 club politics work around this? Um, I wonder how sponsors feel. I mean, it's just. I mean, this is as big as it gets. Like both assistant coaches, and neither of them low profile, really. No, I former, mean, both... former head coach who still would be aspirational and and would have lots of backers to be another NRO head coach in Morris, and a guy that everyone in the media is touting as the next big deal uh, once he comes back from his uh, ESL star uh, sort of uh, what's it called traineeship or apprenticeship. Yeah, it's. I mean, it it beggars belief that it's got to this stage. I mean, we can, um, you know, perhaps suppose what's what's happened. We we can put forward our theories on what has happened, speculate. But yeah, I mean, do you speculate that the the coaches, the assistant coaches, have have been the source of the of the news getting out to the media about? Internal discipline issues—is that where you go with this? I mean, it, or is it, or is it simply, is it simply that the that if this is all, if it all relates to this, and I mean, it, this is if it relates to this, is it simply that they because they have such a different opinion on on the way that the team is being run that the co- head coach has said I can't work with them anymore, even this late in the season I can't do it anymore. I think, because you'd have to assume, yeah. given what's widely said about these particular coaches, and especially Sam Burgess, that they are popular with the players. Yeah, well, so everyone was praising Burgess for his uh, like like player management and leadership abilities, weren't they? Just like literally a week ago. So, mm. Mm. Uh, I, yeah. Well, look, I, I guess if you're looking for someone to take the heat off the West Tigers. This week, <laughs> the, the the Tigers can probably give thanks to uh, the Rabbitohs because what is bound to happen is that we know what the back page story is going to be tomorrow. It's going to be all about the Rabbitohs, yep. surely. As, as it should mm-hmm. be. This is a serious story. Yeah, yeah. So, fellas, what a... What a juicy lot of NRL news we've been able to get into tonight. I hope uh, people have enjoyed this. No doubt there are plenty of comments that are, uh, people would like to add to the um, to the podcast tomorrow when it's posted. If you do, don't forget all your allegedlies. <laughs> 40, you might have to get in there and do a bit of editing and add a few allegedlies in there. But again, we repeat that. It's a lot of allegedlies. If you've got something that you want to say that um, that, that might be um, not substantiated. Um, thank you again, of course, to all of our listeners. Uh, thank you, John and Clint. And, of course, to our sponsors, Big Swing Golf, North Mead, and, of course, Star Partners Real Estate, Auburn, Norellan and Parramatta. It is always uh, a huge thanks to them because without them, we don't present the Cumberland Throw or our podcast like we are able to do. So uh, thank you to them. And uh, fellas, go you mighty heels.